These may or may not impact the uh, results for Road to Mike's that we're going to re reveal at the end of the day, at the end of the morning, so uh, pay attention. Question one from the college football pl has never been a member of the college football playoff selection committee. Three of those people have, one of those people has not. Question number two, from the world of music, according to a 1980 interview with John Lennon, the Beatles song, Come Together, was originally written to, A, reduce the use of psychedelic drugs, B, promote Christianity, C, unseat Ronald Reagan, D, express affinity for American fast food. Decide which of those seems the least likely, and you may get the wrong answer. I don't know. Actually, I do know, but... All right, a few announcements. Uh, grief Share, Tuesday nights, 7 to 9. Men's Mentoring. Uh, contact Mentoring Men at BurtCommunity.com. Mentoring as or either as a mentor or... Know, there's just not a great way. I don't like protege or mentee, but you get the idea. The guy who's mentored. Physical Needs Ministry. Always looking for additional uh, strong arms. Thank you very much. Email physicalneeds at burkcommunity.com. Singles Christmas Party, White Elephant Gift Exchange, Saturday, December 14th, 6 p.m. in the cafe. <laughs> are, you, are, you saying, are you saying Army folks tend to be single? Five. <laughs> Financial Peace University Bible class starting January 12th, Sunday mornings, 11 a.m., room 202. Sign up. BurkeCommunity.com slash adult dash gen slash events. Um, I'm going to throw it over to Dallas real quick. He wants to talk about upcoming prayer events for men. Yeah. 
I forgot what it was that you were going to talk about, Scott. So why isn't Mike up here giving uh, announcements this morning? Because he's going to talk to you today. He's going to give us a little bit of a wrap-up of the semester. Um, I'd like to just personally thank Mike for leading uh, men's event this, uh, this semester and uh, providing such great uh, support to me and Scott and other people who are helping pour into this ministry. And so without any further ado, Mike Helvey. Check. And there was some further ado as I had to unload here over there at the table. I can tell that this is going to be a, uh, a tough morning for me um, already. Uh, okay, go Army. Go Navy. Okay, go Army. Go, go Navy. Okay, got that out of your system. Just stop it. Air power. This is a pretty serious topic, so I need to put on the game face here for a second. Um, what, what, what I'm going to be doing is a recap of what we've been talking about the past few months. Uh, James. It's a book that if you read it from start to about 17 and a half minutes, when we started this, I challenged everyone to read it once out loud. Did anybody do that? Anybody? All right. All right. I think we need some bonus points for the road to mics today. Unfortunately, that book is closed and the decision is arbitrary and capricious, so it doesn't matter anyways. Um, several times, um, start to finish, out loud, and it just really impressed some things upon me, and those are some of the things I'm going to share with you today. Over the, it's kind of hard for me. It's, it's been a tough week. Um, I've got, I work with about 40 great people across the country on a team doing certain things for the administration. And in this little team we have, we've had some people that really had a tough week. We had a, um, a lady that didn't show up for work, and we called the local police there. They checked on her, found her fallen in her apartment and couldn't get up, basically. She was there for quite some time. Uh, we had a, another person that lost a grand um, that had not yet been birthed, and then they had to induce labor two days later on her daughter. Um, and there's just tough stuff going on. And as we look through James, James talks a lot about tough stuff. I was also struck by the um, men's breakfast. In breakfast? Should we keep doing this? Okay. Okay. I, I was struck by the past couple of speakers we had. Um, Nace was one of them. Um, um, Josh Strange this past weekend. What they brought to their discussion was talking about just periods of hardship that somehow changed them. I believe it changed um, deep in their soul and kind of redefined their relationship with God. Um, maybe it has something to do with my own struggles and the things that I've been looking at over the past couple years. Maybe um, 
maybe I've, I'm, I'm seeking speakers that kind of relate to that. I don't know. It might simply be God speaking to me through other people and through the message that they are giving and hearing what I need to hear from God. But whatever it is, um, I don't know. My prayer is that each one of you are moved by this in-depth look into James, um, the, the letter from Jesus' brother to the church. I can't really imagine some of the hardships that the early church that he was speaking to, nor what many of you are going through, have been going through, or very soon will be going through. Um, many of those struggles are just unimaginable to me because I don't have the background to relate to it. But I have learned there's a great benefit to having gone through trials. And that's one of the key messages that uh, James hits. Again, I pray the Holy Spirit moves to further illuminate the scripture that we've talked about and that we're changed through hearing God's word and that the the Fruit of our faith is evident in how we live in light of God's word. All right, that being said, as we've been challenged with um, over the past few months, the book of James is filled with very short, challenging wisdom speeches, full of metaphors and kind of easy to remember nugget, great scripture to go back to. It doesn't present any really new ideas, but rather it challenges how we, in light of the gospel that we already know, ought to be living. Topics, the use of our words, how, how we speak, um, favoritism, love, how we approach, and as I've discovered, how we approach hardship. When we listen to, to and obey God's word, we love God and we love others. Our actions in that moment of obedience match our words and, and to our lives as a whole. Um, it's us as being approaching perfect only in that moment's moment of obedience. One commentary that I was looking at as I prepared for this described James as a beautifully crafted punch in the gut for those that want to follow Jesus. As we see James the um, past months, we see he gets into our business. He's what one preacher I listen to like to call a meddler. You know, some preachers preach, some meddle. James is meddling. The ultimate display of faith in God is to love God and love your neighbor. It's easy to get hung up on details. And I think this is part of the message of James is don't get hung up on the details. This is what the scripture says. This is what Jesus says the law boiled down to. Love of God will manifest itself in all these other things that James talks about. James knows from personal experience that life is hard. The Jewish Christians making up the first church that he was addressing were facing famine, they were facing poverty, and they are facing persecution. Life's hardships are paradoxical gifts that end up shaping our character, making us perfect. 
James repeats this word perfect seven times in the letter, letter this idea of, of perfect and completeness go together. Perfect carries a sense, this perfect and completeness carries wholeness about us where we are living a completely integrated life. And our actions are always consistent with the values and beliefs that we've received from Jesus as a disciple. James recognizes that we are all fractured people, but God is on a mission to make us whole. It begins with wisdom. The ability to see our hardships through a different perspective, God's perspective. And James says that God will give wisdom to those who ask for it in faith. This means that we are ultimately forced to choose between a continuum of anxiety on one hand and then trust in God on the other. And we tend to live between those two points. Thinking about that continuum between anxiety and trust as a measure of evidence of faith, I, I fear that I fail quite often living more on the anxious side. Yet James tells us that true wisdom is the ability to believe God is good despite the circumstances that I am in. James says to try and see hardship as a gift that forces us to trust God alone. Forget which side. Moving over to that faith side. Many of us here can attest to looking back at our circumstances and seeing in hindsight that God is there with us. But in that moment, in that moment, are we falling on the anxiety or the trust side? James goes on to say, result of becoming new creations, which is what God is doing to us. We should not just listen to God's words, but we should be motivated. We should be doing what it says. James 1, 19 through 27, he says, don't just listen to God's word, but go do it. Go do what you heard. So what's the bottom line up front? God's bluff, bottom line up front. Attributed to God, just for the record. Just lost my place. Jesus summed it up by freeing us, freeing Israel, actually, and freeing us from the law, freeing them and us and love our neighbor. That, that, that's the bottom line. Love God and love your neighbor. What's that look like? James talks about three different things, speaking to others in kind, loving ways, serving the poor, and living a wholehearted devotion to God alone. It's that simple, but it's also that complex. So I didn't do well on this first scale I talked about, faith and anxiety. I, I know that about myself. Um, and I believe God is talking straight to me on this one. Uh, but there's some other measures that are mentioned in James, and our speakers each month have gone through part of this, so I want to go down this list in front of you. And what I want you to do is contemplate these, and that will turn into the discussion in 15 to 17 minutes um, for your table. So in light of the study on James, what are we going to do differently? James uh, said we tend to show love to those who can benefit us and don't show love to those that can't. He warned those who can benefit us as special and ignoring the others, mostly because they tend to be, in our view, needy in some way. 
Jesus says this is the opposite of love. He taught that we don't, we aren't to love those who love us and greet only brothers, but to love our enemy and pray for those who persecute us. So where do you fall on that scale? How about your faith? Is it alive or dead? James speaks on what genuine faith looks like. If someone says they have faith in God, but neglects those people that they ought to be caring for, the needy, the poor, this person's faith is dead. Our actions betray our faith, and genuine faith always leads to Jesus' teachings. Is your faith alive, or is it somewhere else on the continuum? James spent some time talking about words and how words reveal who we are, the teachings of the mouth. The first one, how well do you control the tongue? The same mouth we offer both praise to God and slander others. Jesus said that, there's, that a tree is known by its fruit, and likewise our heart will be revealed by what comes out of our mouth. Or maybe, and I, I had a friend that believed this was true, you have the spiritual gift of ridicule and condemnation. Reminds me of that you might be a redneck if, well, you, you might not be a Christian if you have the spiritual gift of ridicule and con- condemnation. Again, our words reflect what comes out of our heart, what's in our heart. James is criticizing the church here at judging others, being judgmental, and then turning and talking about them behind their backs. Finally, how about simply telling the truth? James points out that our natural state, we tend to distort the truth when it serves our advantage. The way we talk about others opens up a window into our heart and kind of shows us a little bit of our core value. And our words tell the truth about our character. Talk about the the church being a place where divisions that are created by wealth and social status can be conquered. He specifically mentioned two areas. The first is the arrogance of wealth. Do you trust finances for security? He warns about the arrogance of people who will be around forever, that they put their hope in their wealth. And in discussing anxiety, Jesus told us that he told his disciples not to worry about the clothing and the material things, but trust God. Don't pursue those things, he said, but rather pursue the kingdom of heaven and righteousness. Trust God. For me, the question really is, where is Is it in my wealth? Is it in God? And then James talks about the danger of wealth versus uh, perseverance and hope. Do you trust God with patience? James says that no wealth, no, I'm sorry, he says no, comma, your wealth will eventually rot just like you. Instead, he implores the reader to be patient until the coming of the Lord. Like the, father, like the farmers that are relying on God for rains, the farmer plants but must be patient and rely on God before the harvest. Likewise, are we being patient or are we seeking the quick salute, the sure thing in our mind. And all of the stuff that James talks about through the first four chapters should leave, should inspire a life filled with prayer. James says, is anyone among you ill? He should summon the elders of the church and they should pray for him and anoint him with oil for the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. 
So confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great effectiveness. Do you bring your prayer first? Or is that an afterthought? Where are you on the continuum of a prayer-filled life? And then true wisdom, James says, comes from above. It is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, accommodating, full of mercy, impartial, not hypocritical, as opposed to false wisdom that's characterized by bitter jealousy and selfishness. We don't know where, soft, where false wisdom comes from. That's from the world. That's from, that's from my inner sinful nature, the, the selfishness. We need to seek wisdom from God. I've learned over this past uh, few months that I do not have God's wisdom. And I do know to seek godly counsel of those men around me, the, the ones that have been in the fight before me. But it's really God's wisdom that I need from above. Jesus taught that they are blessed to realize poverty, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to them. I think that's exactly what James was getting at. We need to recognize that. True wisdom, James says, comes from above. Worldly wisdom, that's not it. So I want to leave you with a question of a divine. Do you seek God without doubting, or do you find yourself wanting faith? But doubting that. James points us to seeking God in our weakness. Are we seeking God? Or do we still have our doubts? We're each living somewhere on that continuum. So, discussion question. In light of all that, and that was just a very brief recap of what we've already talked about the past few months. What are you going to do differently? That's what I'd like you to talk about in your tables. How can you as brothers in Christ encourage and hold each other accountable? What are you willing to, what links are you willing to for your brother? Heavenly Father, I come before you and just uh, praise you for being who you are. Um, Praise you for giving us your word, for giving us wisdom when we ask. Lord, I, I I know I come to you with a lack of faith, so I ask you for amount of faith. Lord, I ask your blessing on all the brothers here in their discussions today and that they can leave here really being connected and with a plan to go forward and support each other in Jesus' name. Amen. Start the minutes till at six minutes till because we have some extra stuff to do. I, I hold in my hand the envelopes. Anybody remember the great Karnak, right? So the, the old guys in here will appreciate old Johnny Carson bits. This is going to come last, right? So nobody leaves before I do some of stuff. Um, one thing I want to do right now, if, if you have served base camp. I'm talking about base camp. If you have served base camp in some way this semester, you may have been a speaker. You may have come here for coffee. You may have worked AV. What are some other things base camp? Right. You may have been a table leader, all right? 
Uh, bagels, that's a table responsibility. We're going to funnel that through your table leader. If you've served in one of those roles I just mentioned, will you please stand up? Table leaders, coffee, AV, tech, speakers. Okay, thank you so much to you guys. Also not here who have served, Sandra Horst, who takes care of our administrative responsibilities. Um, of course, our pastoral representative, Pastor Michael. It, it, it takes men to, to pull this off. I, I've heard it before, I've heard it said before. Now, I've, I've been here at BCC now for 16 years, so I don't have a lot of external church uh, experience in that time. People come here and they say, what church I came from this? They didn't have a bunch of men getting together in the mornings on Tuesday mornings, Wednesday evenings, all right? This is a blessing we need to thank God for, right? We take the lessons we learn here, hopefully, when we're awake enough to pay attention and learn them. God puts those seeds in our heart, they grow, and then this fruit falls out on his people, right? As we expose ourselves, expose them to the word, careful about that, um, expose others to the word, the fruit that is planted here, it, it, it falls in our communities, and that's a blessing. Okay, um, so thank you, everybody who served. Uh, what else am I forgetting, Scott? Base camp, yes, go ahead. Right, and I would, I would speculate that if you um, provide a service in the month of December, that Mike Helvey, our fearless leader, would be gracious to allow your table to claim those points in January. I'm not promising that because he's not here for me to confirm it. Look for those opportunities to serve. Obviously, all that will count. In January, we're going to start a study of the books of Ezra and Nehemiah. In going through the material, I learned that used to be one book, and they divided it. So those of you who know the, the, the primary focus, the theme of uh, Nehemiah, the rebuilding of the temple in Jerusalem, the rebuilding the wall, um, the focus on leadership. And we've selected a book uh, written by Max Lucado, who I'm sure many of you have a familiar name, uh, his Life Lessons from Ezra and Nehemiah. That's going to form sort of the guidance of the, um, of the semester but, of course, we have wonderful speakers who get up here. They dig into their own purse. They go through their own uh, utility drawer and pull out the things they think are, are wonderful to share with you guys. And, I mean, I feel blessed to be part of that team of speakers. Uh, let's see. I think that's all I was going to... Oh. <laughs> All right, I'm getting the I'm getting the hook. All right. Third place. 
with a score of 127 points, table 11. I think uh, this, this is probably something like a $50 Starbucks gift card so you and one of your friends can get a cup of coffee. Thank you, table 11. It, similar thing for our division at work, and, and then we had that discussion yesterday. Of we need to increase the value of the Starbucks card we give away in the raffle because it wasn't enough to do it to get anything. Second place with a score of 129 points, table number one. And, and there was a great... That's Panera. They know you guys already. Going to Mike's this year in first place with a score of 138 points, five. <laughs> let's, let's close in a quick word of prayer. My Lord God, um, we're humbled. Uh, we're humbled to be a part of a community of men who get together to learn your word, to chase out the cobwebs from those places in our heart where unbelief or doubt or sin live. We thank you for those who put um, morning and evenings in base camp and Wednesday evenings. We know this doesn't occur even at every church much less for every man out there in our community. In this time of joy that you provide to us this year, may that, may that be our year, but especially may you blind us to the distractors. May we turn away from those trying to seek our, uh, steal our joy. May we focus on you this season, the great gift you sent us so that we could know peace. You sent your child to us that we would know peace. May that peace fill our, be overflowing into our homes, our families, our communities, our workplaces this season. May we start the new year refreshed, and may we enjoy a wonderful 2020 full of opportunities to serve you and your people, opportunities that with your help we will not ignore. We thank you for these blessings in your son Jesus' name. Amen. One for all. Are we there? Which of the following people has never been a member of the CFP Selection Committee? Bobby Bowden. So note the three who were. According to a 1980s interview with John Lennon, Beatty Song was come together, was originally written to unseat Ronald Reagan, Timothy Leary, I don't know if you know the name, he was kind of this uh, tree-hugging uh, uh, alternative smoking guy, running for go governor of California, 
against the incumbent, Ronald Reagan. It never came off. He got arrested for possession of marijuana, didn't end up running for governor of California. Thank you.